Hello and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter, Series 3, Episode 12. I'm Dad Russell and this is Daughter Rebecca. Hello. Hello Dad. You okay today? I'm good, yes. So, what did you think of this week? Well, I weren't the best fan. I feel like it's taken a bit of a turn. Uh, we've got a bit of rock back, so we know how I feel about that. Um, but there was a mixture of sounds this week. Like, there was no two the same. So, couldn't compare, like, any two groups together. So, that was quite nice. Um, and one thing I did notice, like, we've got a bit of women this week, and they have very distinctive hair. They've got, like, white blonde hair, and they're pixie cuts. So, I'm guessing that was, like, the style at this time towards the end of the 80s okay so it's mixed so would you be surprised if i owned an album of a group from this i feel like if there was any album you'd own it would be breathe or yaz mm. i'd be surprised well. if any of the others i think Maybe Travelling Wheelbreeze? Transvision Vamp? You've got that. I can't find it, though, unfortunately. But also... Really? You've got the KLF? The White Room. What an album. Okay, I wouldn't have put you down for any of those two. Not at all. You surprise me, you know. And is this... You buying it in your older years, or is this you like in the 80s? Have you had these cassettes since the 80s? It's a cassette, so what do you think? Yeah, but you're you. Yeah, but you're you. I bought it at the time. It's still even got the sticker on it. Oh, wow. And you still like them now? KLF, yeah. I I think that, that album is what an album where you don't skip any of the songs i mean it's just you surprise me week by week you do surprise me with who you like like there's there's parts of my dad that i still don't know let's see um what you like then yeah so let's talk music let's talk transvision vamp Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm surprised, because in my head, these are a bit of rock. We both don't like rock. So you say rock, it depends on what, I mean, heavy yeah, metal but, rock, rock yeah. and roll. Um, yeah, no, but... Do you I, like... I, I, the, pop rock, which is what Transvision Vamp is. Yeah, Queen is rock. rock. Yeah, They're but pop. Queen's different, isn't it? And I don't know... Yes, pop rock. Yes, I'd like that. But these aren't pop rock. You can't tell me these are pop rock. These are like rock. There's like harsh tones in them. There's um, like noise. There's lots of instrument sounds. It's rock as it is known. So, yeah, I'm surprised you like them. There's a woman lead for the band, though, so I quite like that. And she's got a very distinct voice, like very nasally, I want to say. Um... They changed quite a lot, like the sound 
like moved as they went on. Um, like she sung a bit more. Like towards the beginning, it was more talking than singing. That type of singing. Um, you can tell they're rock stars, but the woman always stands out. So like in the video, she wear white, and the men that were on the instruments wear black. So she's like the main forefront. Um, she's got the white blonde hair that I said that I think is the style of these women this week. Um, and you can tell, I'm guessing they went into the 90s because as time goes on watching the videos, her hair becomes more tamed, like it's straightened and looks more 90s. Like she grows out a bit, like she just looks more 90s. So I'm guessing they went into the 90s. I had quite a few for them. So. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, intri- I'm intrigued by them, especially people like them. Okay, so Transvision Vamp, as you say, Wendy James on vocals, mm-hmm. Nick Sayer on guitar, Tex Axile on keyboards, Dave Parsons on bass, Paul Burton on drums till 1989. Uh, he was then replaced by James Piper. No, sorry, Mike Martin Hallett, sorry on drums after and then james piper on guitar who joined in 1989 so they were formed in 1986 in putney london okay so i've just thought just holding it there we haven't asked the question how many number ones this week oh you have not i just suddenly thought that makes me think that these have a number one. But I'm only going with one, maybe two. Well, maybe three. There's three. Three number ones this week. Ooh. I want to say the Time Lord slash KLF have one with Doctor in the TARDIS. And I also think that... Um, Yaz had one with the only way is up, but I think that was more of an out of the 80s number one, which is why I was like one, maybe two. Okay, but none really stood out to be big songs to me, I don't think. So, no, I want your love from Transition Vamp, no, no crash from the primitives, no, no handle He's... with care. From the Travelling Wilburys. Are these the number ones then? And no hands to heaven from Breathe. You've just said some of my favourite songs as well, but no. Okay. Transition Vamp. We shall continue. So I've just said who was in in the band and where they were from. Mm -hmm. Putney, London. They are a pop punk, pop rock group. I just don't get much pop from them, you know. No. I guess in the 80s, you put a bit of music out and it was pop. They I had a keyboard. They that lab- <laughs> yeah, they just stuck that label on most things. Whereas rock, to rock, me, rock, I suppose, I suppose rock doesn't have keyboards or anything electric as such, you know. No, true. So I guess as soon as they're the band with that in, they can put that genre label on them. Yeah. But... 
I think pop for me is just like what I've grown up with. That's pop is so much different to what you've grown up with. Pop. Well, this isn't pop, is it? I didn't say pop. I said no. Pop, but what I mean is like rock. even pop rock. No. I wouldn't call this with any type of pop in it at all. Well, they're a rock band with keyboards, so they become pop. Yeah, exactly. So they're <laughs> rock band. They're just rock. Okay, so Nick Sayer and Wendy James formed the band, and they were signed to MCA Inc a talent agency with artists in the music business. Um, and as clients, the American-based label liked the band's pop-punk sound. Okay. So the band's first single released, release, Revolution Baby, from 1987, peaked at number 77 in the UK singles chart. And follow-up single... A cover of Holly and the Italians and the Italians, their song "Tell That Girl to Shut Up" reached number forty-five. It's a great in the UK singles title, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, however, the single did become the band's only hit in the US, charting at number eighty-seven in the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Okay. I mean, that's good for them. But they, So that was their only hit in the US, so they didn't hit yeah. in the US with anything else. No, just the a cover of Holly and the Italians, Tell That Girl to Shut Up. Okay, so they're a very British band then. They didn't make it. So the band's third single, I Want Your Love, became their first major hit topping the charts in Norway as well as reaching the top 10 in Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, Sweden and Switzerland. Is that why you mentioned I Want Your Love? It was their biggest hit. Oh, let's we'll see if it was a number one, but I don't think it was. So well, it was in Norway. Yeah, but not in here, I don't think. On the back of I Want Your Love Success, they re-released Revolution Baby, which got inside the top 40 in the UK on its so so the first release got to what I say number 77. Mm-hmm. And then the re-release got inside the top 40. Okay. But obviously that's on the back of I Want Your Love, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. While fourth single, Sister Moon, narrowly missed out on breaking into the top 40. Oh, okay. In October 1988, the band released their debut album, Pop Art. It was such a success in the UK, it stayed in the album charts for 32 weeks, peaking at number four and being certified platinum in Australia. It's a long time in the charts, isn't it? Yeah. 1989 was the band's most successful year with the release of Baby I Don't Care, which in Australia spent 20 weeks in the top 50, peaking eventually at number three. The band's second. Did you say that was their best, or was that just their best from that album? It was the band's most successful year with the release of Baby I Don't Care, which in Australia spent 20 weeks in the top 50, 
peaking at number three. I didn't say best anyway. So I, I didn't hear the Australia bit. Oh, I'm just trying to make uh, sure these don't have a number. I just don't think they're. I'm just baffled by the number ones more than anything. The band's second album, Velveteen, was released shortly afterwards and reached number one in the UK album chart and spent 26 weeks in the chart. Is that the one that you've got? I think that was the one I had, yeah. I can't find it anywhere. I um, can't imagine anyone would have taken you it. can't like them that much then. It's not something <laughs> that you ever It was cassette. It was cassette. <laughs> While in Australia, it made number two and spent 25 weeks in their top 100 album chart. They're big in Australia then. They are very big in Australia. Their second single released from Velveteen, al the album, was the only one which got inside the UK top 30, along with their two other singles from the album, Landslide of Love and Born to be Sold. Okay. In June 1991, MCA refused to release third album, Little Magnets versus The Bubble of Babble, in the UK after its two singles I just want to be with you and if looks could kill didn't chart as well as the singles from the Velveteen album so the album was never released um however the album was released in Australia where yeah. it got to number 25 New Zealand where it got to number 14 and Sweden in number at number 27 Okay. So by the time MCA decided to release the album in the UK, the band had already split up, so it never came out. Oh. So they've just got this album that was released in other countries and it yep. never got released in the UK. Yeah. That's mad, because I wonder whether if it got released when it was meant to be released, would that have changed... It may well have. They probably split up over it. You don't know. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't find any any information on why they split. Okay. Um, whether it was differences from them or the with falling out with MCA, yeah. uh, the fact that the album didn't get released over here. I mean, even it didn't do as well. That let's be honest. If you if you take Australia as a barometer, mm. um, the you know the album didn't do as well as it had been up to then. So. Uh, yeah, like that weren't the highest one in Australia. Yeah. So, I mean, it got the, I mean, nine, the, um, oh, where was it? What was the second album? Velveteen got to number one in the UK and got to number two in Australia. So mm. you, you could say that, you know. Um, that yeah. And Pop Art, I mean, it, it reached platinum, getting to number four in Australia. So this one only getting to number 25 in Australia was probably enough to tell the, to you know, probably right for the MCA people to say, well, you're big in Australia and it's only number 25. It's not mm. really going to get here, even though their last album was number one over here. So it is a bit of a, so you, you don't, it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. So the band officially disbanded in February 1992. With Wendy James launching her solo career in 1993 with the Elvis Costello Witten album, Now Ain't the Time for Your Tears, which reached number 43 in the UK album chart. Okay. 
Oh, so she didn't go on to do that well as a soloist. Not really, no. So they had two UK top 10 singles. Okay. And two top 10 albums. 1988 Pop Art at number four and 1989 Velveteen at number one, as I've already said. Yeah. So where were who what were the two top 10 singles and where did they come hmm. i'm gonna go if i want your love and baby i don't care but i don't think they have a number one okay. i can't see them as a number one group so 1987 revolution baby re-released as we said it already got to number 77 the first time got to number 30. oh so okay not really into the top 40 um i don't know what i was expecting from them but this wasn't it it's got harsh tones and she starts off with quite a husky talking voice like not singing and i've already mentioned that as it goes on her singing gets better so this just weren't it for me weren't a good start okay 1988 i want your love number five Okay, so it's first top ten, I said that. This is to the point. I like the chorus and like I always I remember this one because it's always like I don't want I don't want something. I don't want something. I want your love. Like and that's basically the premises of the song. Like she goes, I don't want blah blah, I don't want blah blah, I want your love. And it's just it's actually really nice it's a nice repetitive. So I quite enjoyed that one. It was very different to Revolution Baby. Okay, 1989, uh, sorry, 1988 still, Sister Moon, number 41. So I did say it just come outside the top 40. Yeah, you did. Could have gone without it, to be honest. You can't really hear what she's singing, like the music and the band takes over too much. Okay. 1989. Baby, I don't care. Hmm was inside the top 10. Mm. I want your love got to number five. Yes. Baby, I don't care was in the top five. Okay. Baby, I don't care was their biggest single. Okay, at number four. Baby, I don't care was in the top three. Okay. I just can't see over number one. Nineteen eighty nine, Transvision Vamps, Baby I Don't Care, peaked at number three. Ah, okay. Yeah, see, I just don't see these as a number one group. They haven't got any big ones. As much as I will now tell you. Not a big group, two top tens. No, but I mean like not a number one song group. But I will tell you, Baby I Don't Care was my favourite out of all the songs it's just got a good vibe to it it's very upbeat it's very different from the harsher tones i feel like it mellowed out a bit um like baby i don't care and i want your love i will take us their top tens like i completely agree they are the two top songs of theirs i'd say uh-huh i'm just i'm just actually seeing who wrote it because i'm be interested to know that um Yeah, it was written by Nick Sayer from Transition Vamp. So it's not a okay. cover, it it's is their own song. So, yeah. 
So here we go. And at the time, Wendy James was, she was a very, um, I suppose because of the way she was, she was in, in the headlines, you mm. know. If yeah, okay. Everyone knew who she was. So she was like a big character. A big star. She was our Madonna. Portrayed oh, okay. as. Right. Not obviously nowhere oh. on the same stratosphere, but. But didn't Madonna start in the 80s? Madonna did start in the 80s, much earlier than this. So how was she your Madonna? That's what they, she was portrayed as, and you know, she was just she was the bad girl. I mean, Madonna at that time was going through her, you know, like she changed her from a Kylie Minogue good girl, you know, oh, to right. Madonna, you know, getting more raunchy, you know, right. testing the barriers with what she was singing, like a virgin and all that. You know, it was. And okay. Wendy James was seen as being that sort of person, British on the British side of pop, or, you know, music business. She was the one who would just test the barriers as far as you know, right. test that elastic band, and go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, but none yeah. of her songs are very. I don't know. Well, she wasn't like, writing not, the songs, not, or do, and she was nowhere near. It was I say, more she, how she no, portrayed no, no. herself. It was more the image, yes. Right. Okay, know. I'm with. And you. I suppose because of the image that Madonna at that time was going through, you know, we was going late eighties into the nineties. Things were mm. changing, very much so. Right. Okay. The videos that you know we've now got videos for we've had videos for ten years now and now it's the sex appeal the you know it's yeah, get, like, it's, it's another way of getting the audience to watch the video mm. rather than you know animation and you know so we'd had like take on me we'd had um, oh sledgehammer um, wax's song um, what was the other one oh. Uh, money for nothing you know we'd had all those mm. videos that gave you something different you know as well yeah. as obviously the the big budget so videos from duran duran and wham yeah. and what have you this now it was all about the sex appeal and what you you know to get the adolescent males to watch i suppose and yeah. and what have you so yeah and wendy james was seen as that was the the the, ver the British version, I suppose, of Madonna at the time. Anyway, moving on to 1980, still in 1989, the only one, number 15. Although I spent ages looking for the crazy one. Yeah, I don't know how I put crazy. <laughs> well, whenever I put in the crazy one, it just came up with the only one. So I listened to the only one anyway, because I was like, is this it? Like, has it been named wrong on, like, YouTube? Um, turns out you were wrong and I listened to it anyway but it didn't really stick out for me like it weren't a big mm. one and like I think like after Baby I Don't Care it was a bit of a letdown like it weren't as upbeat it didn't have everything that they I thought they were moving into if you know what I mean then we have 1989 still Landslide of Love number 14 Okay, this is where it moved into when I say she sung a lot more. So this is more of a song than noise. And the only downside is her voice sounds a little programmed, like whether they used auto-tune or I don't know, but something's a little off. And she has quite a nice voice when she really, really sings anyway. So I don't know why and if it would have been changed. 
Okay, 1989, Born to be Sold, number 22. Ooh. I would have put this one as higher. I like the background beat of it. Like I like the music. And it's a slow song, but not like your slow love song that you would think of. It's just a slow starter. Like it doesn't get much going in it. Like There's not much content with the lyrics. It's more just... Just a, the same tone kind of thing throughout. They've like longed out the lyrics. Like they've not got a lot, like the lyrics are probably like a paragraph and they've logged them out into a three minute song. That type of uh -huh. slow. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so now moving into the 90s. 1991, I Just Wanna Be With You, number 30. Oh, okay. I thought this was quite upbeat and the chorus really brought it to me. The chorus was the best bit definitely and then finally 1991 if looks could kill again like sister moon just missing out at number 41 okay yeah i could have like sister moon i said i could have not listened to that same with if looks could kill they've just got harsh tones their music and there's me thinking that they were like moving on and getting a bit more song than mute like sound and noise and this one to end they just came back around full circle really okay moving on then to i would say a probably a similar sounding group no would you not agree as we move on to the primitives so i put down that the primitives are maybe a bit of pop rock but I don't think they sound similar to the transition, transit, transvision vamps. Like that, not at all. Like this is my me saying they're pop rock, so they've got a bit of pop in them. But I also think there's a bit of something else in there. But I don't know what. I couldn't think of a word for it. I can't think of how to describe it either. You might say it, and I might be like, "Yeah, it's that." But there's definitely something else in there. But I've gone with pop rock anyway. I think they're a trio. There's not, to be fair, there's not many songs for them. But again, it's another woman lead vocalist. She dresses quite classy. You don't really see the other members in videos, but she's, you know, at the forefront and she's she knows how to hold herself. Um, they're a very upbeat group, which is why I put the pop in there. Like they've got like the band and they've got the sound of rock. Um, but the upbeatness of it just brings out that pop that I like. And I think they're a trio. Mm. Okay. So, the primitives. Paul Court, guitar. Tracy Tracy, also known as Tracy Cattell, vocals. Mm. Steve Dullagan on bass, however, he left in 1989. Peter Treedy on drums, he left in 1987. Tig Williams then come in on drums in 1987. Kieran McDermott, vocals. He was only with them for one year, 85, 86. Paul Sampson on bass from 89, taken over from Steve Dulligan. And Clive Layton was on keyboards from 1989. So they didn't have a keyboard player until 1989. That is so, a lot of people. So, at the so if you think, so you had a guitarist in Paul Court, he was... He was there with, from all the time. Tracy yeah. Tracy was vocals there really? all the time. Um, you had a bass player 
Steve Steve Dalligan, and then it was Paul Sampson. So that's the third member. You had a drummer, Peter Tweedy, and then it was Tig Williams. That's your fourth. And then um, you had another vocalist, but only for one year, 85, 86. So probably wouldn't include that. And you had Clive Layton on keyboards from 1989, which is probably when they were at their peak, I'd probably say. Um, been around 88, 89, probably just after, actually. Um, so, yeah, you're looking at four members, stroke five. Okay. Well, from when the keyboards. So they were formed in 1984. So they were actually around before Transvision Vamp. Uh, they're from Coventry. And they are known as Indie Pop, Power Pop, New Wave. Nah, none of them describe what I was hearing. There's no rock in there. No, no. Okay. But I would put them, as I said, for me, Crash could be a Transition Vamp song. I really do think nah, that. No? Nah, nah, nah. Sick nah. of it, maybe. Not oh. Crash. Okay. So, the Primitives were formed by Paul Court, Steve Dulligan, Peter Tweedy, and Kieran McDermott in the summer of 1984. Although McDermott left in 1986, claiming he couldn't work with the band's new manager, Wayne Morris, Court then put an advert up on a piece of scrap paper saying, Male Singer Wanted in Coventry Library, and Tracy responded that afternoon. Oh, so they said male singer wanted and he got a female. Yeah. The band were part of the indie music scene of the 80s, alongside the Jesus and Mary Chain, Primal Scream and the Soup Dragons. Okay. All of those made it big in the 90s. So crash. So um, the primitives got just ahead of them by getting into by getting into the 80s. But the, the well, Mary Chain. Jesus and the Mary Chain we've already had, haven't we? So they made it big first. They were, they but Primal Stream and the Soup Dragons were a bit, bit later. Never heard of them. Uh, the band released their early singles on their own Lazy Records before signing up to RCA Records, who were a subsidiary of Sony Music, in late 1987. So it just shows you really, when you're on a big label, how, so they've been around since 1984, been on the music scene, mm. obviously doing okay. I mean, the, the bands I just mentioned, you know, they all made it big, although much late, some of them later, obviously Jesus and Mary Chain were before. They suddenly sign up to a big organisation, record, record company, and suddenly then from now onwards, you, they get their hits. Right. So as soon as they then, as soon as they got the record label behind them. Because you've got more... You know, you've got money behind yeah. you. Yeah. So you can kind of, it, like, that just helps with promoting. You can spend more time in a recording studio. Yeah. You haven't got to go and do some odd jobs, I suppose, to make ends meet. You can yeah. You can relax a bit more. Okay. You can write songs a bit better, mm -hmm. you know, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the band's first album, Lovely, was in 1988, and it reached number six in the UK album chart and produced two top 40 singles, Crash and Out of Reach. Crash reached number three in the US modern rock chart. I don't put that one as a rock song. 
there you go and that's what i'm saying i just i just whenever oh, i hear yeah. it i've always thought transition vamp nah nah i wouldn't put it as a rock song either so yeah and that, that was through being on the alternative airplay chart so british music mag melody maker described crash and the band as the perfect band who have made the perfect single Okay. Not going to let you know what I think of Crash. They they said that after it got to number one. Um, So, yeah, Way Behind Behind Me was released as a single soon after and was included on later versions of Lovely, as well as being on the follow-up album, Pure. So it ended up being on both albums. Oh. Because they bought the re they bought out another out. They bought out a re-release or with a bonus track of the first album, Lovely, which and the, wow. the bonus track was Way Behind Me. And then on Pure, Way Behind Me was obviously meant to be the lead was the lead single, I guess, on, mm. on that. So Pure was released in 1989 and had three singles released, Way Behind Me, Sick of It, and Secrets with and Secrets, with only Secrets not making the top 40. Okay, I was like just about to scroll and be like, I've not got that one, have I? No. Makes sense. Um, the, bland, the band split following the failure of their third album, Galore, in 1992. Oh, so they didn't last. No. That well, oh, no, I mean, 84. It was nearly 10 they, years. They started in 1984. They just didn't have any success until yeah, at least yeah. commercial success. So success-wise, it weren't that big a success. No. but. As a band, they stuck with each other for a bit. Yeah, so they had one top ten single. Okay. Two top 40 albums. 1988's Lovely at number six and 1989's Pure at number 33. Okay. So, didn't have as many songs for these. No, not at all. So, 1988 Crash was their top ten single. Okay. Got into the top five. Right. What are you going with? It was the number one in the US, wasn't it? No. Where was it number one? It wasn't. I was joking. Oh. I said Melody Maker described Crash and the band as the perfect band who had made the perfect single. And then I just slipped in there expecting a reaction after it got to number one. Well, I just took it. I was like, okay, I'm not going to let you know what I think of it. Um, it got to number five. All right, that's not bad. And the no, reason I was like, I'm not going to let you know what I think of it is because I really liked it. I was like, it's very 80s, it's fun. I recognised yeah. it a little bit. Don't know where from. But no, I really enjoyed it, which is why I'm like, no, nah, it's not transit. Like, that's why I completely disagree that you, with it, with you, okay. it sounds a bit like Transvision Vamps. Well, as I said, it got to number three in the US Modern Rock Alternative Airplay chart. Uh, yeah. um, so, you know, it is classed a bit of rock as far as yeah. the Americans go. And I, I don't know, I just see it as, well, I'll be honest, I'd never heard of the Primitives when I was younger. Oh, yeah. When this song was being played, I always thought it was Transvision Vamp. That's so whenever you I heard it, that you always thought. I just always thought, and I'd never even heard of the Primitives. That's mad. Yeah. Wow. Hence why that I, you know, I mean, they're obviously both in the same time as far as when they had their first real big single. Yeah. Funny enough, both of them got to number five in 1988. 
um yeah, the transition cool. vamp with i want your love and yeah primitives with crash um but i've only known of transition vamp you've never heard but of yeah i hadn't heard of the primitives until sorting the, all the all the groups out for this for this podcast and um obviously remembered crash and thought oh yeah transition vamp and then, ah, and then transition, that's not even on there uh, well no it was i wanted to listen to it again i think it was so i looked ah. it up and it kept it didn't return me anything it just kept coming primitives and i thought it's not primitives transition vamp transition vamp crash and it come back crash primitives and i thought so i listened to it and i thought oh, this is it i thought it's transition vamp and that's why I put that's primitives on the same episode same as episode. Transition Vamp. Because even though the primitives were around earlier. They didn't have a hit until. Still, yeah. It still works out, though, doesn't it? Yeah. So. Okay. Moving on then. Um, 1988, Out of Reach, got to number 25. Okay. There's not there's not too much with the music. Like there's not too in your face. It's a bit sing along, but it's not it's not a standout one, if you know what I mean. Sure. Nineteen eighty eight, way behind me, number thirty-six. That's my favourite. Um, it's catchy and I really like the lyrics. I, I've listened to this one a couple of times. Okay. Well if you buy one of their albums, you're bound to have this song on it. Well, I don't have to buy um, albums nowadays, Dad's actually. Well, that's very true. <laughs> um, 1989, Sick of It, number 24. Okay, this was the most rock sounding, which made me do the pop rock. Um, the vocals are too quiet on it. Like, it's just too much sound. It drowns it out a bit. Okay. Moving on then to the Time Lords, stroke KLF. Yep. So I'm... Stroke... Um, Justified Ancients Moo Moos as well, they were called at one stage. Oh, okay. I was just about to say I'm intrigued by the name change because yeah. the only song I could find, like, that was the Time Lords, Time Lords is Doctor was Doctor in the Tahardis. Yeah. So I'm intrigued because obviously then all the rest. I mean, it's not like I had loads. There was only four more. But, yeah, it, I'm intrigued as to what happened. Sure. Um. They like a long intro to their videos. So, like, there's a lot of talking. And on one video, I zoned out and I was like, is this still going on? Like, when I, like, came back, I was like, they're still talking. That's still going on. So I decided to skip the talking because it weren't really anything interesting. It didn't get get your attention. Like, it weren't about the song. It weren't in really introducing anything. They were just whipping on about, well, I couldn't tell you um but yeah so their videos are a bit of a no-go not much even happens in the videos so there's not much i can tell you they like a dress up though but because they like a dress up and the videos are usually like it's either and there was two videos that stood out one was doctor in the tardis and that was they were all dressed up and it kept flashing to the tardis they were on a street and you couldn't really see much of the people in the band and then the other one was Three AM eternal, yes. And again, they dressed up, but it was shot from quite far away. And there was quite a few like explosives that they used for like light and fireworks and whatnot. So you couldn't really tell who was in the band. So it was a bit difficult. But they seemed very extravagant. They liked to have a bit of fun, I guess. Okay, so KLF 
I will call them, but that's what they were mainly known for, were Bill Drummond and Jimmy Corti. Oh, just two people? Two people. They were formed in 1987, and they are Electronic House Alternative Dance. Okay, oh yeah, I just I forgot to say I just said rock of some sort. But okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'll put that in there. Also, do you want to hear something funny? <laughs> so when you sent me the songs, obviously, that's another question that this leads on to. Like, a lot of their songs featured the children of the of revolution or whatever they're called. Something like children and revolution was in there. Children of the and, revolution. Okay, I got it right the first time. And when you've sent the songs, the revolution has gone down to the next line. Now, I've just read, like, so, for example, What Time Is Love? Saw that it said featuring and didn't bother reading the rest. So I just went, What Time Is Love? Then I've gone looking for revolution. Couldn't find a song. I was like, all right, then I'll find that on YouTube. Found 3AM Eternal again. I saw featuring, didn't bother reading it. Got to Last Train tr- to Transcentral, saw featuring, didn't bother reading the rest of it. And I was like, he sent Revolution again. So I was like, okay, have they redone it? This is weird. So I was like, right, I'll do that on YouTube. And then America, What Time Is Love, which comes to another question of they've done two very similar set, like, which also is why I didn't go thinking, let's go reread it, because you had What Time Is Love and America, What Time Is Love. So I was like, okay, they're similar. There must be two revolutions. Well, until I was watching the videos, that I realised revolution does not exist in any way, shape or form, and it's the feature. So, yeah, just, I had a bit of, that was fun, bit more of a longer week trying to find all that. Whose fault was that? That was my fault. At least it weren't you. So. That was me for not reading. Well, yeah. Well, you sent me on a little hunt for a song that don't exist as well, so... Yeah, I know, well, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying, that whose well. who's fault was this one? <laughs> so. Okay. So, um, Bill Drummond formed the group after linking up with Jimmy Corti, who he used to manage when Corti was guitarist in the band Brilliant. So, Drummond had also played guitar in Liverpool band Big in Japan. Um, Drummond then set up Zoo Records, where he managed Echo and the Bunnymen and the Teardrop Explodes, amongst others. Originally, they called themselves the Justified Ancients Moo Moos, otherwise known as the Jams. J-A-M. Okay, I'll take that. Their primary instrument was the digital sampler, where they, they cut cut chunks of existing tracks and pasted them into new contexts of beatbox rhythms. The Jam's debut single, All You Need Is Love, heavily sampled the Beatles' All You Need Is Love with Samantha Fox's Touch Me, I Want Your Body and dealt with the media's coverage of AIDS. So they were very much a... um, Protester group, or, but no, yeah, but yeah, wanted to get things across. They, yeah, they wanted to spread a message. So, although it was declined by distributors, fearful of prosecution, 
and Lawsuits, Jam re-edited the track, re-released the single in May 1987, and it was NME's single of the week. And with funds raised from the single, it went. they went towards their debut album called What the F is Going On. I'll let you fill in the gaps. Uh-huh. And that was still yeah. as the, the jams. The jams, yes. So they've done quite a lot as the jams. Yeah. Okay. Well, they had an album and a single. It's not a lot. But... But, yeah, but I mean, like, because they really wanted to portray something as well. Yeah. Yeah. feel like they, they were going somewhere. So in 1988, Drummond and Corti released a novelty single, Doctor in the TARDIS. Um, this time they called themselves the Time Lords, um, obviously again at Doctor Who, um, yeah. which was a mix of the Doctor Who theme tune, Blockbuster by Sweet, and Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. It sold over one million copies and it was just a novelty single yeah you can tell it is the first thing i wrote about it was are they doctor who fans their own record label the sound of moo zick uh, it's obviously okay. from so the back of justify the nation moos yeah it was renamed klf communications and they changed their name again to klf and does that mean anything? I couldn't, can't find where, what KLF stands for okay. at all. Um, so uh, it just said that was their name and things like that. So uh, no, just okay. that they changed it to KLF communication, but nothing about what the KLF stands for. But knowing, knowing Drummond and Corti, Probably just done it as a just just a thing. So um yeah, talking, I guess, doesn't it? In 1989, and with profits from Doctor in the TARDIS, they funded a road movie and soundtrack, both titled The White The White Room, which was the uh, title of their first yeah, album. Okay. Uh, so they bought out as they bought out Acid House. Sorry, they brought, not bought, they brought out Acid House Anthems, What Time Is Love, and 3AM Eternal, which KLF described as a pure trance music. So there was a big thing about trance music What's when trance? people are on drugs or in a trance. And oh, okay. Acid House okay. is all that about, you know, taking yeah. ease and everything. Yeah. Um, they also appeared on the Helter Skelter Rave in Oxfordshire, and wooed the crowd by pelting them with £1,000 worth of Scottish pound notes. I mean, all right. It gets it gets bigger than that. Oh, okay. In 1992, at the Brit Awards, they fired machine guns with blank ammunitions into the audience. Well, that's not scary at all, is it? They retired from the music business in 1992. However, in 1993, they created the K Foundation, which was an arts foundation and gave the K Foundation Art Award to the worst artist of the year. <laughs> in, in 1993, the duo burnt what was left of their KLF earnings 
a million pounds in sterling cash worth 2.35 million today and filmed it so i don't know if you saw in the news um the 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 comedian joe lysett was going to do a similar stunt but he um he got ridiculed because obviously with the cost of living how can you go and why don't you just give it to charity yeah and then he's come out and said it wasn't real money anyway because he shredded it this was real money they did it with real money i just and they have since said they regret doing it probably now because they they need the money (laughs) yeah yeah but um yes they actually burnt a million pounds were they two, okay? mi- two million were in they this day and age. Uh, they were very, I think they were very anti the establishment. Um, very, but, um, obviously, they were part of the acid house music raves that were going on and all that. Their music was, as they said, trance music. It was, I mean, I, I did love them. I mean, I wasn't into obviously all the house music and the raves and obviously not drugs and that, but their music was very very good but they made a lot of money from their money their, their music and they obviously well they, they as i say i mean they obviously i mean like even with the k foundation so they've given up they've given up music after firing a machine gun at the brit awards they've given up music they've launched the k foundation and they give an award for the worst artists of the year because a lot of people say, what that is that art? You know, and a lot of people that win these art competitions were just, you know, weird looking. So they actually yeah. took the mick out of it by giving an award for the worst artist, you know, sort of thing. Uh, and then good. they um, burnt their KLF earnings, what was left of it. I didn't think they were weird while I was like watching them and listening to them, but now you talking about them, weird. Yeah. So weird. I think they just probably liked the attention and the publicity more than anything. Maybe that would make sense. But, um... So moving on to their songs then. Mm-hmm. 1988. Doctor, Doctor In, sorry, the TARDIS, which was actually done by the Time Lords rather than KLF, although it was the mm-hmm. same people. Um, got in the top ten. Yeah, it did get in the top ten. It got in the top ten. I, I said this might be the number one if I was to pick one. Yeah, got into number f- top five. Okay. Got into the top three. Yeah. Time Lords, 1988, Doctor in the TARDIS, for one week only, was number one. Oh, yeah. I'm good at this. With a novelty song, I hasten to add. But that's why I thought it was a number one, because um, of it being, like, linked to Doctor Who and everything. Like, I put straight away, I was like, Doctor Who fans? But it's, I don't know, there's not much content to it, so... You know that people have only bought it because of the link to like Doctor Who, but it's quite head bopping. It's not, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever listened to. Okay, so what time is love featuring the children of the revolution? <laughs> Whether they actually um, 
exist. I don't know. You never know with KLF, to be honest. Oh, um, it was also a top ten out of top ten single. Right. It was also in the top five. Oh God. Right. 1990, What Time Is Love, got to number five. Okay. I mean, it brought it, it's got a bit of, I nearly put that they've got a bit of hip hop in them because. Well, they're in that era, they were late 80s, early 90s, which was like your hip hop house, acid, all that kind of different music. It had like rapping in it. There was different sounds, like they were playing around a bit. It was very different. And but then obviously because I Doctor in the TARDIS was the Time Laws and this was KLF, I was like, right, okay, they've changed up their sound by changing their name and everything. Okay. Nineteen ninety one. So you can see they're not releasing a lot of or I mean, unless they had a lot of flops, but they've literally gone nineteen eighty eight, nineteen ninety, and now nineteen ninety one. Oh three AM Eternal featuring the children of the revolution. Yeah. Also got in the top 10. Right. Also got into the top five. Okay. Also got in the top three. Right. 1991, KLF, 3AM Eternal, featuring the children of the revolution, for two weeks was number one. Okay. All right. So that gives you a kind of idea of the kind with, of music. Yeah, I'm going with what, what, people what buying. year we're in. We're in a different year. Mm-hmm. The 90s, the beginning of the 90s, before I was born, I want to say we're a bit heavy on the house, changed a lot yeah. as I came yeah. about. Um, but now the feature of the Children of the Revolution brought something different to the song. I liked it. And although obviously you'd had What Time Is Love with them, there was just something about 3am Eternal that was a bit more, it just, I don't know, get had a bit more to it. It mm-hmm. weren't, and to be fair, it weren't very housey, like in your face. So I can cope, but I don't know. I just wouldn't put it as a number one. Okay. So we've got three number ones this week. And so far, Time Lords, Stroke Carelift, have had a number one with their first single. Yeah. They've had a number five with, I think it was their second single. They've had a number one again with their third single. Yeah. So now we come to 1991, Last Train to Transcentral, featuring the Children of the Revolution, also got into the top ten. Right. Also got into the top five. So that's every single so far in the top five. Mm -hmm. Also got into the top three right (laughs) 1991 last train to transcentral got to number two get it with this group i'm not following this song's just very repetitive didn't really have much to it i don't understand i don't get what people (laughs) want i don't get it uh, okay. They obviously knew. They, I mean, the clever thing with KLF, and even myself, who wasn't, you know, deeply into this kind of music, but there was some KLF's music was just something else. 
I thought. What do you like about it? I don't get Oh, just, it's just that music that you can really relax to and. Relax. <laughs> oh, what? You listen oh. to the same people I've been listening to. <laughs> Yeah, right. in the, oh. put it on in the car. Oh, what a tune! What tunes? Ooh, uh, do I have to start oh. worrying that you're on yeah. drugs? We move forward <laughs> to still in 1991, Justified and Ancient, featuring Tammy Renette of all people. Believe it or not, this was also a top ten. It got to number ten. In, yeah. Sorry, it got inside the top ten. It got inside the top five. They've done everything. <laughs> it got inside the top three. How many number ones we got left? One. Nineteen ninety-one. KLF with Justified and Ancient, featuring Tammy Wynette. We're Justified and Ancient. And we're coming after you. Got to number two. Okay. Now, I put 3AM Eternal as my favourite because I liked the... I didn't mention this, by the way, because I liked the thing. But this one, remembering listening to it, there was a bit... It weren't as much noise. There was a bit more singing, a bit more body to it, like structure. So, but I, I still enjoyed 3M Eternal more because of just, mm. I don't know, the, the rap element that got brought to 3M Eternal. But now we come to 1992's America, What Time Is Love? Yeah. Which was based on, as you've already said, What Time Is Love, but it was a reworking yeah. and they've liked it and they put it out. Yeah. It got inside the top ten. Of course it did. It got inside the top five. Right. What Time Is Love got to number five. America, What Time Is Love mm. got higher. Four. It was number four. Uh, it This was the one that had a really long intro on the video. But like I thought, oh, maybe that it'll just be like a rework and it'll be really similar to What Time Is Love. But it's not. It is different. There's just a lot of noise, like a lot of music rather than like lyrical elements to America, What Time Is Love. Uh -huh. So I didn't enjoy it as much as What Time Is Love. Okay. Well, it does say the America version has a markedly different tone to previous incarnations of the song, harder, heavier, and more guitar-laden, featuring yeah. a riff from Motorhead's song Ace of Spades. Okay. Yeah, it was, so that was very rocky. So, yes. So that was KLF. Every single yeah. was inside the That's top mad. five. Every That's single. Mad. I don't think we've ever really had that. No, hence, what an album. What an album. Anyway. What an album. I still don't think it's like a worthy of what an album. 
Like, well done to them, but people were on drugs. That's all I'm saying. Made all that money and then burnt it. Yeah, that's even worse. Like, <laughs> look it up on YouTube. You can look it up. Look it up. It's on out there. Oh, yeah, because they videoed it. Yeah, yeah, look it up. Okay. Um, so we move on to breathe. Yeah. Well, this was just a breath of fresh air. Um, pop. I just went with playing pop. And I've gone with, they're a boy band. And at first I thought group, not band. Then I saw videos. Um, I think they work really well together. Like, they're very chilled out. Their harmonies go well together. They just seem to gel. Um, but they didn't last long. So I want to know what happened because I feel like they didn't get the chance to find their sound and make it of themselves because I only got two songs, three songs. And like they weren't exactly all very similar to one another. So I think they were still, you know, experimenting with what they could have been. So, yeah, I mean, I want to know what happened to them. Um, I think they have foursome as well and they just dressed smart casual there's not much about what they look like they're not very 80s they're not very 90s they're just the average looking men okay so breathe were david glasper on vocals marcus lillington on guitar and keyboards ian spike spice on drums and michael delahunty on bass they were formed in 1984 in london and they are sophisti pop pop soul new wave music okay. sound right the band were formed by childhood friends who attended yateley school in hampshire in 1982 with a band and their original band was called catch 22 which was a jazz infused mute sound um, which played Ooh. covers and at the time was a five piece however in 1984, Phil Harrison left to join the Fire Brigade. Bit of a difference in career there. Very different. And the remaining four members changed the band name to Breathe. Okay. Um, in 1985, they sent some demos to recording companies and gained a contract from Virgin Records subsidiary Siren Records. By May 1985, they were recording in a studio. And in January 1986, they released their first single, Don't Tell Me Lies, which reached number 77 on the UK singles chart. However, second single, in all honesty, failed to chart. Right, OK, so they didn't have a good start off at all. No. In May 1987, they released Jonah instead of hands to heaven as it was seen to be more up tempo however again it failed to chart while in the us la based record label a m records released the album all that jazz while in the uk siren records also released the album um in august 87 so what a couple of months after from may three months after with the jazz well, they obviously started off as jazz, so they just called their album All That Jazz. But they also but had a single called All That Jazz. With, why didn't they stick with jazz? I feel like Because I suppose that music wasn't a, 
you know, it depends on, you know, we're going into house music and you're going to have a jazz band. <laughs> For me, I would have been fine with that. Oh, no, I would have had a great time. With the title song also being released as a single in October, although again, failed to chart. See, you know, yes, bit of a... They really, like, they sound like a failure so far. So after four failed singles, Don't Tell Me Lies, In All Honesty, Jonah and All That Jazz, Siren decided to release Hands to Heaven, which was meant to be their third single, but they changed it because they thought Jonah was more upbeat. And then they um, went with the uh, title album song as the fourth again, rather than Hands to Heaven. So they've now released five singles off of one album. Um, so this was released in October 1987 with A&M releasing the single in January 1988 um, in America. The video was on rotation on VH1, which helped the single creep into the Billboard Hot 100 chart at number 90 in April 1988. And it stayed in the lower regions of the charts for two months until it finally broke into the top 40 in June and eventually peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100. So they almost had a number one in America, really? yet they'd had nothing up till then anywhere. Yeah. And they've released all those singles as well. Yeah. By, 19, by mid-1988, the group experienced managerial and personal personnel problems with the departures of manager Cole Adams and significantly bass player Michael Delahunty. Lead vocalist at the time, sorry, not lead vocalist at the time, the lead vocalist, David Glasper, claimed Delahunty had been fired after a decision made by the band on purely musical terms. So it seems like there was a falling out. Right. Now, what, what the manager change was about, I don't know, but obviously they, they decided to get rid of um, a member of the band. Oh, and there's me, like, they worked so well together by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think they're childhood friends as well. So they've known each other yeah. for all this time. And then suddenly yeah. they all turn on one of them. And so album All That Jazz was re-released in the UK on the back of the success of Hands of he to Heaven with a revamped cover to reflect the new band lineup. In other words. So they've just um, decided to forget about him on that. Yeah, album. I was going to say, in other words, Michael Delahunty was what do you call it these days? Photoshopped out, air washed out, whatever you yeah. call it. Air, Photoshop. Photoshopped yeah. with the one to go for. Edited. Um, yeah. So they had a revamped cover to reflect the new band lineup, and they added a remix of Don't Tell Me Lies to an altered track listing of the album as well. Oh. Okay. Siren also released a remixed version of Jonah in October 1988 which became a minor hit, reaching number 60. While in the US, A&M chose How Can I Fall as the band's next single, which hit number nine on the adult contemporary chart uh, for two weeks, um, and number three on the Billboard Hot 100. So they've had a number two in America and a number three in America. But they're doing well in America by the looks of it. They're doing What's very What's going well. on over here? Like their management <laughs> hitting it over here, really, is it? Like... No. So when Billboard's top 100 singles of 1988 were calculated, Hands to Heaven, so that's is done on sales. Right. 
Hands to Heaven was number nine. And How Can I Fall was number 27. For the whole of the year, wow. they got two singles in the top 30. And that's, to sales. In, and that's in the US. And they should just have up to moved over there. In April 1989, A&M released the remixed version of Don't Tell Me Lies, so the one that was put on the album when it was re-released, yeah. yeah. uh, with the single reaching number 10 of the Billboard 100 chart and number 5 on the Adult Contemporary chart. Breathe became the first group in A&M's 27-year history to achieve three top 10 singles from its debut album on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Wow. Yeah, I would have just moved at this point. So unfortunately, neither of the follow-up singles to Hands to Heaven success translated in the UK charts. Didn't think so. <laughs> In May 1989, Billboard's magazine named David Glasper 12th and Marcus Lillington 13th in its top 20 pop songwriters of 1988. Not bad, is it? Quite high. David Glasper and Marcus Lillington continued to pen new songs for second album, Peace of Mind, which was subsequently released in August 1990 in the UK and Europe, and September 1990 in the US. Three singles were released. Say a Prayer, which reached number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100, and number three on the Adult Contemporary Chart, although in the UK it only reached number 93, after being released as the second single of the album after Say Hello, which reached number 88. So that second album really isn't doing well at all, is it? Third single, Does She Love That Man, failed to chart in the UK, while in the US it was released as Breathe featuring David Glasper. It peaked at number 34 on the Billboard Hot 100 in January 1991 and number 17 in the adult contemporary chart. By 1992, Breathe had disbanded, allegedly due to their frustration at a lack of promotional support they were receiving from A&M in America, following its takeover by Polygram Records in 1989. Okay. In 2012, in an interview, Marcus Lillington stated that the band kind of fell apart during the recording of Peace of Mind saying, I just think the songs were not of the standard of the first album. Just to oh. note, the first album took them two years to record, as they wanted to make the perfect album. Now, when you think they had three singles in the top 100, in the Billboard Hot 100. Um, it, done, it, it did what it they kind really, of wanted do. Exactly, and it, so they to just have felt... then this come in second and yeah. not do, you know, being up to yeah. scratch with that one, yeah, and also not spending as long on it. I guess you would butt heads, wouldn't you? Yeah. So um, these were the group that I would say were very underrated in the UK. However, they are probably one of the most successful groups to to have gone over to America 
without even they didn't go over there full time or anything they they were still they based over here it was literally over to their their record company who they then fell out yeah. with because well didn't fall out with they, they got did. taken over and they felt they didn't they get the same get support but yeah. um they had there's not many groups that you can safely say certainly british groups have had more success in america than they did over yeah. here mm, no not at all. which they definitely did Oh, yeah. So, over here, they had one UK top 10 single. Right. And one UK top 10 album with 1988's All That Jazz getting to number 22. So, how did they do over here? Let's find out. So, 1986, Don't Tell Me Lies, got to number 77. Oh, okay. I recognised it a bit, you know. It's very catchy. I thought it would have done better than that. Well, in 1989, the remix version that was put onto the album on its oh, re-release yeah. after yeah. they went down to four and got to yeah. number 10 in the US. Yeah. Over here, it got to number 45. Oh, but still didn't get in the top 40. No. Bless them. 1988, Hands to Heaven, probably their biggest single. Got to number two, as I said, in in um, the US. Got yeah. to number four in the UK. I was going to say that would be their best one. That's my favourite. It's a very soothing song. Um, I love the harmonies. Like, I love the way they all work together. Like this, it's just a perfect mix of the sound of it, the way they've sung it, the way they sing it together. Like It's a really good song like it and then 1988 how can i fall which as i said got to number three in the us mm -hmm. got to number 48 in the uk wow so in the uk they're really like a one-hit wonder they literally are yeah um this is a love song i just really like the lyrics of it okay so that was breathe mm -hmm. now for the traveling wilburys yeah so are you ready? I'm yes. trying it again. I think they've got a bit like a bit of country. <laughs> Maybe a bit of folk folk music. The older guys, um, they play their instruments and they sing, so you know they're multi-talented. Intrigued by their names, like like what who are they? Are they Will are they the Wilburys? Dunno. Um there's only two songs. And the tongue, the songs are quite opposite to one another. Like they're not the same, so it's quite hard to get what they were going with as well. Um, and they just okay. dress quite casually. There's not much. Like their their music videos are just like live performances. So there's not much to get from them. Okay, are you ready for the members? Well, I thought there was only two. But there were a lot. The Traveling Wilburys, George Harrison. Yeah from the Beatles. Oh. Jeff Lynn from ELO, the Electric oh, Light Orchestra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Petty from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bob Dylan. Oh, I know that name. One of the greatest songwriters of all time. I know that name. There you go. 
and Roy Orbison, known for his songs Only the Lonely do, 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 do. and Pretty Woman oh, Walking yeah. Down. Yeah. 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 That's the group. Right. So it's like a super group. We've not had one of these things in ages. They were formed in 1988 in LA, California, and they are a rock, country rock, folk rock group. Well, no, I wouldn't put rock, but I only had two songs. And like I say, they were very opposite to one another. So I just went with my feelings. I didn't really get a lot of rock, though. But then I guess if it's country rock, that sounds a bit different, doesn't it? Yeah. So they are a British-American supergroup which originated from an idea discussed by Harrison and Lynn during a right. session of recording Harrison's solo album Cloud Nine in 1987. The band were formed in April 1985 when recording a bonus track for Harrison's next European single, Handle With Care, was deemed too good for a limited release. So the group agreed to record a full album titled Travelling Wilburys Volume 1. Following Orbison's death in 1988, the Wilburys released a second album, which was titled Travelling Wilburys Volume 3. Oh, OK. The project was seen as tongue-in-cheek by the singer-songwriters, who even took the posodiums as half-brothers from the fictional Wilbury family of travelling musicians. Hence yeah. the travelling right. so Wilburys. Where the names come from, Although Harrison envisaged a series of Wilburys albums and a film about the band produced through his company, Handmade, however, the supergroup was a commercial success and helped revitalise both Dylan's and Petty's careers in 1990. The group's final release was in February 1991, following and then following Harrison's death in November 2001, his estate released a box set, The Travelling Wilburys Collection, in 2007, which did include a DVD of their music videos, plus a documentary of the band's formation. So they did eventually get out what he, mm. he wanted it, obviously, at the time with probably interviews of the people and how they got together and all that. But yeah, yeah. that didn't obviously come and look, come up. Um, Don Petty then, top, sorry, Tom Petty then died in October 2017 leaving just Bob Dylan and Jeff Lynn as the surviving members of the biggest supergroup ever formed. But they didn't do much. No, they didn't. So how can, I mean, yeah, they're the biggest supergroup ever formed because of the names, but yeah. they didn't do much. And they could have done loads. they got so much yeah. talent there. Yeah. So strange. they had one top 40 single and they had three top 20 albums so they had 1988's The Travelling Wilburys Volume 1 got to number 16 yeah, yeah. 1990 The Travelling Wilburys Volume 3 
got to number 14. Okay. And in 2007, the Travelling Wilburys collection with the DVD okay. got to number yeah. one. Oh, wow. That'd be mostly because of the DVD, though. As for the singles, 1988, Hand 21. Ooh, OK. It was good sounding. It was my favourite out of the two. Enjoyed the song and the vocals. It was just a good all-rounder. And in 1990, Nobody's Child got to number 44. Oh, OK. It's got a good beat to it. It was slower than the other one. Um, not as much focus on the singing. Bit of a letdown. Okay. Mm. Moving on then to Yaz and the Plastic Population. Yes. So I've gone with pop, rock, could be pop, rock, or just separate, I don't know. Gone with that type of thing. This is what I mean, like this week, they're all very different from each other, but they all have got an element of pop rock in them, I think. Um, you've got a variety of songs. Like, they're not all similar. Um, and then I think... They move into the 90s quite quick. So I think they were very late 80s. And her voice, this is another one with a focus on the woman. Again, she's got the pixie cut, white blonde hair. Um, her voice gets better as time goes on. And I think they sing about their experiences. So they're quite relatable songs as well. They just dress quite casually. There weren't much to the videos, if I'm honest. Okay. So Yaz and the Plastic Population is Yasmin Evans. They were formed in oh. 1988 in London, and they mm -hmm. are a dance funk. Okay. So hmm. Yaz first came to prominence through Cold Cuts, Doctor in the House, featuring Yaz and the Plastic Population. Don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. That's where they first come. Oh, okay. I I remember the song. I don't really remember them. The name yeah. of them. I remember the song though. But okay. So that was in February 1988, and then Yaz soon launched a solo career on Big Life Records, a label set up by her husband, Jazz Summer. Summers, sorry. Yeah. Um, and she released her debut single. The Only Way Is Up, which was a cover of Otis Clay's single from 1980, written by George Jackson and Johnny Henderson. The song is used as the theme tune to popular reality TV series. The Only Way, the is, only Essex. way is Essex. That's what I wrote about that one. Used on TOWIE, although it's altered, so has it been covered? But... I guess this that is a cover anyway. So following the success of the single, Yaz dropped the plastic population and released following singles as Yaz. Right. Okay. I did wonder because I found most songs that just said Yaz and not yeah. gonna lie, I completely completely forgot that their name was Yaz and the Plastic Population. So she done a Gary Newman with the Tubeway Army, really. Yeah, and just so he done it in 1980, and we're now at the end of the decade, and she's done it. She's done um, it. Now I don't even know if the Plastic Population actually existed because I can't find anything on them. 
However, oh, okay, so whether it was just a name, this song was released as Yaz and the Plastic Population, and as like with Cold Cut, it was featuring Yaz and the Plastic Population. Yeah, you will have to wait until the female soloist to hear the rest of her music because that will oh. be in Yaz, the solo oh, singer. Oh, okay, so these so are she did songs. Have many more songs that were singles. However, they're not with they're not classed as Yaz and the Plastic Population. Now, I'll be honest, I don't even know if the Plastic Population even existed because even for this, it says the only member in the group is Yasmin Evans, who is Yaz. So, so I don't know whether it was just a a musicians like uh, who weren't a you know they just put them together. I don't know. But she dropped them, mm. and as far as I'm concerned, the rest of her library of music, her catalogue, is as Yaz, which is a female soloist and will be covered under Yaz in the yeah, 80s females, okay. not in the 80s groups. Okay. So you've just got one song. It was in a top, a top UK top 10 single. Yeah. All the songs that I listened to, yeah. If I just keep these notes, you may as well again, yeah, because they right. are not, as far as I'm concerned, they're not a group, they are definitely right. only a single soloist. Sorry, going okay. forward, okay. So, you've probably already guessed where this came. Well, this is, I said. Have we got a number one left? Yeah, we have. Yeah. We've got a number one left. There was three. You've had two well, so far from KLF. Yeah. I did say so, right at the beginning that it this would be one, but I thought that it might be out of the 80s because obviously I knew about Towie. So 1988, The Only Way Is Up was number one for five weeks. Wow. And that's even before Towie was about to give it that push. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. that brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah. All it takes me to ask is, or to find out, was it a did or didn't influence you? Did dad influence daughter? D-I-D, did or did not? I will tell you. So, Transvision Vamp, I will tell you, you may like him, but you did not put any influence of them on me in any way, shape or form. Like, no. <laughs> Never again. I'm just, I just don't get how you like Transvision Vamp. I don't get it. Two top ten singles, two top five singles. I just, it's not for me. Okay. The primitives, you did influence me. I did actually really enjoy them. And as much as there weren't much music from them, I enjoyed what I had. Um, Time Lords or KLF as they mostly were. In no way, shape or form again, did you influence me. How did you not like them? Oh, every single you listen to every single you listen to 
your friend's parents probably bought. They were all yeah, top five. But I will tell you now, all my friends would probably listen to that and be like, no. Just shows so, you the difference, doesn't it? Their parents, their parents have probably bought, or you've probably, I don't know, one in five of your friends, their parents bought a single from KLF. They had one, two, three, four, six singles all in the top five. Two number ones. A top-selling album. Yeah, but it's just not for me. And then they burnt a million pounds as well. You can carry on talking, and even while you were talking, I was like, no, these are just, you're not selling it. Like, they're weird. <laughs> um, Breathe was an influence. I enjoyed them. I was disappointed that they didn't have many songs. Um, I really thought that they were maybe underrated. Like, even when I was just listening to them and I said to you, I think they gel really well. It's like I already knew they were childhood friends. Just the way they sing, you can tell they really get on as much as they then decided to get rid of one. Um, no, I really enjoyed them. Travelling Wilburys. So I was on the fence with these. I was like, mm, their music, I'm not 100% sure. Did you find any other singles of theirs? No, I didn't. Did you listen to anything else? No. no, no, I didn't go out and listen to anything else. Um, I'm going to do that with Breathe, though. Travelling Wilburys. So I was on the fence. And I was like, hmm. Yes, no, like, you know, the songs, I, I weren't completely on one side of whether I like or didn't like. But with you talking about them, I'm like, yeah, do you know what? You did, you've influenced me. Because also, because they're a super group, it's more disappointing that they didn't do anything more. But It they might have been time constraints. I mean, yeah. Um, George Harrison, so the main person, obviously, from the Beatles, yeah. he did want it to go further. But yeah. I think because of their success, had um, re-energised Bob Dylan and Tom Petty's careers, yeah. they actually then went and the probably COVID, done their own thing and thought, well, we want to carry on with our career yeah. now. Yeah. So I probably mean, they become too big. Or too successful as far as commercial oh, success. Again, just you know, it, yeah, they de it doesn't look like they had great. Um, it, it, they didn't did much, but obviously, mm. they did have a lot of prom probably promotional stuff and what have you. Yeah, and um, it, it got Bob Dylan and Tom Petty back in the limelight. And yeah, uh, yeah. But I want to now. Now you've spoken about it and you've said who was in the group and blah blah blah. I want to revisit them and like obviously they did release more music than what i was given so i want to kind of explore and see what else they sounded like mm. um and then yaz you did influence me with i'd like but the weird thing is mm, but then that gives a lot away because i'm obviously talking about that as a whole yeah you've you've listened to crazy. the other songs which yeah. you but wouldn't have known though. obviously i didn't want to give things away myself so you wouldn't have known that there's no. a lot of songs of hers that no. are just her and she's got rid yeah. of. But to be fair, even I mean, if you just if you knew it before and you knew that she dropped him and that most of it was a solo female. Uh we've just listened to the only way of up. I think I would have been influenced anyway because I like that version of it. Uh-huh. Compared to what I've heard because I've watched the show like the reality show so 
yeah no you did and it so are happen. we saying are we saying for that one song are you going with yeah that's what that's what i'm saying like i think even if i just had that one song i think it would still be a did because i prefer that version over the version that i would have already known from the reality show okay so um, her when we do the female soloists as well <laughs> so a four a four out of six is an influence strangely enough the and two misses the two are the, ones that are the two like. albums that i've got <laughs> yeah there you go mm. so are you ready for your next week's reveal yeah give them to me i shall and once i've got them up on my phone because <laughs> we are now very near the end so wow. what i can tell you is next week is the end of the 1980 up to 88 and then we so we're literally going after next week wow. into it's 1989 which will pop which will year. be in the new year won't it for us because yeah um, they are gonna have we're gonna have a break day. for christmas yeah um so this will, will probably be the last one before christmas and then we'll be going into 1989 mm -hmm. which in effect this next week is the last of the 80s because to be honest, the the ones after, although they are 1989, the majority of their music will be from 1990. Yeah, yeah. So I would say next week is the last of the 80s, even though it's 1988. So here we go. Brother Beyond. No. Aswad. No. London Boys. No. London Beat. No. Bomb the Bass. No. The Adventures. No. Boy Meets Girl. I feel like that's a show. No, that's called Boy Meets World. No. <laughs> okay. So they are your groups for next week. There is actually seven next I thought week there was more yeah okay. so um that tells you there's not many songs no okay so right. just oh, to recap 1988's last episode or the last the last episode that features 1988 should i say yeah brother beyond aswad london boys london beat bomb the bass the adventures and boy meets girl I shall get their singles over to you and we shall discuss them next week. Okay. All right. I'm intrigued because you've never mentioned any of them either. Mm. Right, well, then. if I was to tell you, I've got three albums. All right. I'll, I'll try and have a guess which ones they are then. <laughs> three I'll albums there. Off. I'll probably be way off, but I'll try and have a guess. No. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, On that note, I will say goodbye. This yeah. week was a success. And yeah, that's well. all that matters to me is an impact. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank well, you. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye, Dad. See you.